Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website as well as on this podcast. And my guest for this edition is John Spencer, founder and president of the Space Tourism Society. John was our guest on the podcast last May, and with all the developments occurring in space tourism, we thought it would be a good time to check back in with him. So, John, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Tom. I'm happy to be here. And yeah, last year was just an amazing year. Certainly was. But before we get into all that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm an outer space architect. And what that means is I train as an architect, but the last 30, 35 years, I've been using that training to work on designing space stations and real moon bases, uh, Mars mission planning, Mars habitats, all those things. And I've been developing concepts for orbital super yachts modeled after ocean going super yachts and founder of Space Tourism Society. I've always thought that was gonna be one of the biggest industries off world and the most exciting and interesting one. Uh, born and raised in Los Angeles and love living here and space industry is just going forward very fast right now. So it's an exciting time. What's been the impact, John, as we talk about space tourism of the two richest men on the planet starting rocket companies? The major impact is that the business world is really now paying serious attention, including investment bankers and the investment community. Because when you have the two richest people in the world and they both are super smart and both have done something similar, people say, aha, I should pay attention to this and they do. So the biggest part that I've seen besides the fact that they actually have invented rockets and rocket engines and are doing space missions is they've kind of opened the door for serious investors to look at the space enterprise, space tourism industry as a possible investment. And that has been a huge windfall for the space enterprise, space tourism industry because money's flowing into it in the multi-billion dollar ranges. New players are getting involved new industry, the ticketing and consumer products are looking at space to use for advertising their brands and products. But uh, what Elon and Jeff Bezos have done has really opened people's eyes that there's a business and branding and media opportunity to be involved in space. Now you talk about the three mediums with which people can experience space. What are those? So if you imagine a triangle and at the top apex, there's real space flight. You actually get off Earth and you go into Earth's orbit and eventually around the moon, on the moon, so on and so forth. On one side of the triangle is Earth-based space experiences, which is pretty big. Most people don't realize it, but 280 million people a year around the world simply physically get up and go to science centers and space theme parks and space attractions and science museums, IMAX theaters, all of those physical things. And then you look at the other side and you have movies and televisions and game and virtual worlds. So those three mediums of real space, Earth-based space experience, simulations, and media, all are synergistic. They're all promoting and giving opportunities for people to have different levels and different kinds of space experiences. They also are showing there's potential great career opportunities in space because of the diversity 
of what we call the space experience economy. And that includes all three of those key mediums. So how then important is that space experience economy to the overall space economy? Well, it brings that diversity to the overall economy by connecting to people on a personal level. In other words, you can go to a space museum, read a space book, you can basically go to a space theme park, you can experience it personally and therefore possibly be an investor in it or have a career in it or be talking about it in a positive way or inventing things, starting companies. So this outreach to over a quarter billion people per year reaches people who can directly become involved in the space industry. And so that means that it's supporting multiple, probably thousands of jobs in a whole lot of different areas uh, because it takes support for all of those, all of those things to, to happen. Well, it does. And it's actually millions of jobs because when you look at people doing movies and you look at people designing space theme parks and science museums, you look at people developing space food and looking at media in space and real space stations, private enterprise, space tourism. So around the world, there are millions of people directly involved in space in different levels and in different mediums. So what kinds of opportunities then does that prevent, uh, present rather for entrepreneurs? We need a huge diverse infrastructure for space development on Earth, in orbit, eventually around and on the moon. So people are starting companies right and left to provide infrastructure, whether it's how do you communicate in space? What's kind of space insulation? How do you design a wonderful, beautiful interior for a space hotel? Uh, how do you design a space cruise ship? All of those things are offering opportunities for people to bring new ideas to this industry and their talents and their joy of actually moving these things forward. And they're finding funding for it because of the leadership of Elon and Jeff Bezos and moving this all forward. How enthusiastic is the investment community in space tourism? You, you mentioned that they're finding funding for it. Where's that funding coming from? Right now, there's about eight companies that have been set up specifically to raise money, raise funds, and to invest specifically in space ventures, whether it's technical or operational or training or all those kind of things. But the investment banking world, which deals with multi-billion dollar investments through syndications and stuff, are looking at where they can invest in emerging companies. For example, uh, Relativity Space, uh, which is a fairly new company, has now raised over $1 billion in several raises for the development of their own spaceships to compete in fact, which is good, with Elon and Bezos by 3D printing their entire spaceship. Wow. They have these house-sized 3D printers printing in metal. But there's all these investment societies and groups and angel investors around the world who are looking to invest in stuff. And since space has a lot of technology and software involved in it, uh, they look at it and now they specialize in certain areas that they think will have huge growth, small satellites, uh, all kinds of habitation issues. How do you build, design and build spacesuits that are really comfortable and easy? So what we're seeing uh, because of our conference and other activities we're involved with is a growing diversity of new companies springing up all the time. And some of them will fail, some of them will succeed, but that diversity and variety and access to funding and access to talent brings this industry forward in an accelerating way. Is there a reason that you don't kind of include um, 
uh, Richard Branson in that group of, of people who were promoting the space experience. We've talked about Elon, we've talked about Jeff Bezos, but uh, Branson's in there too. Well, that's true. And we really respect Branson and they were the early pioneers taking the early 2004 XPRIZE winning flights, first time ever private enterprise going to space and developed it into Virgin Galactic. Um, I didn't leave them out on purpose. I just didn't put them <laughs> in there. And, and we're a bit more focused um, on what you do in space than how you get to space, for example. So when we're not into the rocket so much, our space access, but what you do when you're there. So uh, Richard Branson's company is providing unique experiences, but at the moment, I'm not aware of them looking at how to get into uh, orbital flight. And it's the same with the companies that are offering experiences via balloon. Well, that's true. Our good friends at Space Perspective have developed a whole new uh, regime of space experience. They're actually gonna take people up on this huge balloon, this beautifully designed gondola to 110,000 feet and they'll be in the stratosphere. Now the gravity doesn't change. They're not physically in space. But when you're up there, you're as close to space as getting into, just about as getting into uh, low Earth orbit or rather uh, suborbit and so forth. But it's a slow rise of about two to three hours. You get to 110,000 feet, stay there for a few hours. Then you come back and actually land in the ocean. But in their gondola, they have a bar, a wet bar, and they have a bathroom and they have gigantic windows. So it's all about the experience of having these life-changing kinds of experiences. But they invented a whole new realm of space experience, the stratosphere. And would you like to ride in my beautiful balloon? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> For those of us of a certain age who will remember that song. Yeah. John, talk a little bit about the distinction between private space missions like Inspiration4 and space tourism missions. Well, that's kind of a hybrid of both. And that, that's a good example uh, of wealthy individual uh, booked a flight with Elon Musk and SpaceX and took three friends with them. They were gifted the space experience. They spent three days in Earth orbit. And during that time, they also raised over $200 million for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Hmm. And we're seeing philanthropy being more and more incorporated in a lot of space stuff. Jeff Bezos donated $19 million last year to 19 different space groups, million dollars per group. So inspiration for was kind of a hybrid. Uh, the space tourism industry is eventually gonna, I've been modeling it since the early eighties actually, after the cruise line industry. Mm. That's a very good industry model. You know, you have cruise ships that are big technical devices that are nice and take people out into an extreme environment, the ocean, they have a great time and they make money doing that. Now, in parallel to that is the development of the outer space yachting uh, industry. And that's a whole different economic thing. And that's going to stimulate and grow space tourism, though they don't exactly call it tourism as much as they call it just passengers, uh, because the motivation isn't to make money. The motivation in the ocean yachting industry, which we're going to translate into the oceans of space, we call it, Earth orbit and going around the moon, is a social profit. It's pride and prestige and social standing and branding and gifting and all of those types of things. So they're not, people don't get charged to go on a uh, super yacht. They're gifted, they're brought, their families go and they have a wonderful time. So the paralleling of the cruise line industry and general tourism 
and the yachting industry. And then when you add another element to all this, uh, it's space sports, sports in space, mm-hmm. skydiving from low earth orbit, dune buggy racing on the moon, eventually having a stadium on the moon. So your low gravity allows you to jump 20 feet in the air and things like that. So what's exciting is all, there are people working on all of these ideas. Some of them are very visionary and they're 10, 20, even 30 years from now, but you have to start. And when I started working on space tourism in the early 80s, that's almost 40 years ago now, I knew someday this was going to be a big industry. And now it's just really happening. And uh, it's such an exciting time to be involved in all this. What's the impact of celebrities like Bill Shatner and Michael Strahan taking suborbital, uh, suborbital tourism flights? Well, the media loves celebrities, so you get a lot of media exposure. When you get Tom Cruise going to space, that's going to be, and he is, that's going to be a big deal. Uh, when you have rich, uh, famous people going to space and having their honeymoons on board orbital super yachts, and eventually it's going to be funny having a honeymoon on the moon, for example. So celebrity brings attention, and attention brings eyeballs, and eyeballs bring people's interest. So you're going to see more and more of that, and that happened exactly uh, 78, 70, 80 years ago when celebrities started flying on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when celebrities flew, people paid attention to it. And now we all don't think much about getting onto an airplane except we have to put on a mask. <laughs> that's exactly right. yeah. Well, that's how industries evolved. For example, you know, 200 years ago, you had sailing ships, right? mm-hmm. and then you eventually had coal ship, you know, engines and da da da. And now you don't think at all really about getting on a cruise ship and taking a beautiful cruise or something because all the safety measures are there and it's a very experienced, mature industry. And over the next 40, 50 years, remember we're all gonna live a bit longer, the space tourism industry and is gonna grow and then people living on the moon eventually going to Mars, that's all going to happen. It's part of this big picture of humanity moving outward into the solar system. And the good news for that is we need to do it together because it's so difficult and expensive and challenging and there's no one we have to conquer in this case. When we go into this new environment, there's no one we have to displace. We hope. <laughs> we're, we're talking with John Spencer, founder and president of the Space Tourism Society on the Xterra podcast. Take a moment right now to click on subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our podcasts or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from Xterra, the Journal of Space Commerce. John, let's uh, get into some of the nuts and bolts about your conference that's coming up. What can attendees expect to learn at the Space Tourism Conference? Sure. So this will be our second Space Tourism Conference. It's being hosted through the Space Tourism Society. Uh, At the last conference, we celebrated our 25th year as being the Space Tourism Society. And the 20th year of Dennis Tito, our friend being the first private citizen to pay to fly to space with the Russians and spending several days on the International Space Station. So what we do during our Space Tourism Conference is April 28th here in Los Angeles, one of the major hotels by LAX, we like to do our events there, is bring those three mediums we were talking about earlier, the real space, earth space experience, and media, and mix them all together through our sessions and programming. And the ultimate goal is to create a wonderful forum for people with new ideas to come and exchange those ideas and, and network and to basically create a welcoming environment for corporations, investors, uh, media to learn about the industry. So our programming goes from space financing to designing space habitats to what does it all mean with the overview effect 
to music in space, to a variety of other things. And we're also gonna be having besides seven sessions during an entire day, uh, workshops that are going along in parallel, like what's space food, you know, what's happening. We're actually partnering with the Overview Effect Film Festival, which will be showing some of the films that they just recently awarded uh, awards to and so forth. And we're bringing in people purposely from all these different industries who never would normally meet entertainment people, which I've been involved with my whole life, consulting on movies and TV shows and all that kind of stuff, meeting real space people and astronauts and scientists and JPL guys are showing up and all these kind of people. So the whole goal is to mix it up in a very comfortable, friendly manner where people get to know each other, learn about each other's industries, interests, uh, aspirations, and eventually people will team up and form a new company and do a new thing. And we'll all be very impressed. Who are some of your fe uh, featured speakers? Well, one of my favorite people is Jane Pointer. She is the co-founder with her husband, Tabor, of Space Perspective. That is, in fact, the group who is developing the beautiful uh, sphere and balloon going up into the stratosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Megan Crawford. She is co-founder of the Space Fund with Rick Tomlinson. Uh, we've got uh, Roman, who is the uh, founder of Space VIP. He and his wife have a great background in catering to large billionaire families and renting yachts and amazing uh, parties and events and stuff like that. Uh, Linda Reinstein, who is the founder of Space Games Federation, is going to be there. Uh, Rick Lovert, who's a good friend, is the program manager for the Science Entertainment Exchange. And that's a great group, which is part of the, our National Academy of Sciences. What the exchange does is it brings scientists and technical people in contact with movie, TV producers, game designers, production designers, screenwriters to improve the quality of science in all these media projects and stuff. Uh, Frank White, in fact, who coined the term uh, the overview effect will be with us. Uh, Deborah Sass, she's co-founder of Space Heroes. That's one of two major companies developing space TV shows where there are international competitions and the winner will actually be flown to the International Space Station for 10 days and stuff. So you're seeing entertainment industry and gaming industry starting to merge more and more and more. Uh, Kara, who is the chief uh, futurist for the Aerospace Corporation is gonna be leading a whole future forecasting area of where, we'll be, where will we be in five years, 10 years, 20 years and so forth. Um, and then Jim Thomas, who's a venture capital guy invested in space perspective and other space companies. So there's a whole wide variety of people on purpose coming together uh, to mix it up and have some fun and learn from each other. One of your premises, John, is that the best way to predict the future is to invent it. What right. does that mean? Well, uh, uh, one of the fellows very involved in the early 80s in helping to start the computer industry and the internet uh, uh, came up with that statement that the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And I've embraced that my whole life by inventing all kinds of different space and entertainment ventures, then raising money for them and building them or producing them and so forth. So it's a very self-activated way that you don't, you can't, it's hard to predict the future, but you can invent it because you make it happen. And that's the whole philosophy that we've essentially invented the space experience industry, the space experience economy, and we're bringing more diversity to it and more people in it and wanting them to express their ideas and creativity and help us move it all forward. But it's a very proactive way. It's not just 
thinking about stuff is actually getting your hands dirty and making stuff happen. One of the things you're planning for the Space Tourism Conference is presentation of the Space Tourism Awards. What's that all about? So this will be our third Space Tourism Award event. The first one was in 2002, uh, the year after Dennis Tito's flight. So we celebrated his one year anniversary and we gave out a bunch of awards to people who were just getting into the space tourism world or were developing their own private rockets and so forth. Uh, 2006 was our next one and that was a big show, 600 people dinner. Uh, we gave awards to Paul Allen, Richard Branson, all these kind of major people who were actually doing it, actually making the industry happen. And one of the things we always look at and we, we tend to lean towards, for example, our speakers at, and participants at the conference, the majority of them started something. Mm -hmm. They had an idea and they moved forward with that idea, no matter how hard it was or how long it took, but they started something. And that's how everything happens, things start. And those people who start those things, we want to resource and we want to collaborate with and we want to network with. So our awards are focused a lot on people who started something. They just said, we're gonna start and we're gonna do it. So that's uh, what we do. And this third award, uh, which will be in the evening of our Space Tourism Conference on April 28th, is to a lot of people who started something and now they're happening. They're flying people to space. They're developing real space stations. They're developing all kinds of new movies and TV shows that are directly focused on space tourism. Uh, they're building this U.S. Space Guard service, modeled after Coast Guard service, for example. So we lean towards people who invent and start things, and we want to encourage and resource them. You know, you mentioned a little while ago about the uh, spacefaring super yacht that you've had in development for some time. And we talked about that last year when we chatted on the podcast. What have been the de recent developments over the past year in that program? Well, for me personally, what I love doing is designing stuff. So I've been designing a sister ship for the first ever real space yacht that I've designed. I had to teach myself how to design this stuff. The first one's called Destiny for 10 people assembled in Earth orbit. And we have to have orbital yacht clubs like we have ocean yacht clubs and the space guard service to save everybody when things go bad. And the second ship, which I'm designing now, the fun part is called Ambrosia. Same program, but radically different design. And that's really fun. I've started out wanting to design beautiful spaceships. And that's a challenge in the environment of space, but that's the goal of beautiful spaceships. Now, the big thing that's happening is I'm getting more allies involved in this. And these are, of course, multi-billion dollar spaceships that we have to have the richest people in the world actually fund. So I'm pretty good at talking people in their funding billion dollar <laughs> projects. Um, I also learned something I'll pass on. It's, it's as much work raising $100 million as raising a billion dollars. So you might as well go for the bigger stuff. It's a different ecosystem uh, with different aspirations and goals in, in the financing world. But what I will be announcing at the Space Tourism Conference, and since I'm running the conference, I can do this. <laughs> That's one of the good things about starting stuff and running it, you get to do stuff. Exactly. Um, and we are having fun. I got to share this with your audience. We are engaged and excited and empowered. And we're really having fun. Uh, it's been hard work for decades, but now it's the fun part. So I will be announcing, this should turn some heads, which is what you want to do. Exactly. Make yeah. some news, John. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, in fact, it's the first media outlet I've ever told about this. So congratulations. You're getting a scoop. 
Uh, Excellent. Yeah, so I'll be announcing the formation of the Outer Space Yachting Association. Okay. People are going to go, hmm, what the hell is that? What, 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 are they, <laughs> what, what are they up to now? I have a reputation of doing stuff that kind of, like I say, turns heads and stuff. Uh, I remember distinctly a little over 25 years ago when at space conferences, remember the still Cold War era, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that actually was more than 25 years, that's for sure. <laughs> that uh, I had formed the Space Tourism Society. Mm -hmm. At that time, the classic aerospace industry was fairly hostile, really. I got thrown out of places, I'm not joking. Um, uh, twice out of Rock Rockwell when Rockwell was wrong. Wow. Talking about space tourism. Uh, but eventually I knew this industry would happen. So announcing the formation of the Outer Space Yachting Association, which is gonna become real, and you gotta have millions of dollars you gotta put into it to become a founder, um, to use for research for how we de actually develop the yachts and the materials and so forth. Uh, the media will say, tell us more. And that's what you want. You want to create stuff for people to say, never heard of that before. Tell me more. And mm -hmm. some will engage and collaborate with you. Some might not like it. That's just fine. Everyone has their own opinion, but we will have uh, orbital super yachts and orbital super yacht clubs. And we will have resorts on the moon and we will have sports in space. And we will have all of these things that people find exciting and engaging and want to be a part of and can join our growing, diversifying space community. It's a renaissance period right now. It's the most exciting time we've ever had. It's just going to get better. How challenging is it, though, to go to someone who has a lot of money to say, I'd like to have X millions of dollars for this concept that I have that you may not see a return on that investment for 15 or 20 years? I do it all the time. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> no, I, I have actually learned, and I'll share this again. Uh, I'm a designer. And I learned many decades ago, many decades ago, that you can design a business and design a financing program using the same techniques and brainstorming and evolution of an idea in the same way you could design a house or design a ship or design other kinds of stuff. So what I typically do is invent something, which is probably pretty cool because that's what I do. And then I'm network all around, been doing this for a long, long time. And ultimately what counts is team building. You've got to build a great team of people who have decades of experience in their areas of expertise and bringing that team together. It's like being the captain of a ship. You've got all your crew members doing things. Uh, and it's pretty easy with great concepts, particularly space stuff, to get to the richest people in the world because you get to them through your networks and your attorneys who are representing other attorneys and you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So there's a whole process and it's pretty straightforward of how you evolve a project. And like I said earlier, whether it's hundred million or one or 2 billion, they're different economic systems and ecologies you're in. Once you understand them, you can maneuver around them, but you gotta have great concepts and then also we're fortunate because we design ships and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, so we have beautiful images and the images allow us to say, Hey, look at this beautiful image. And someone says, Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Realistically, John, when do you feel like travel into space for the purpose of just going there is going to become more commonplace? Well, last year, 14 people flew to space just for the experience, that's 14 people. Now, most of it was suborbit and so forth, but we had inspiration for. 
at the end of the year, the Japanese billionaire fellow, uh, Meizawa, uh, he and his, his buddy, who was this film uh, director guy, went to the space station, booked by Space Adventures, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, those were unique things. That's going to be, for the next decade, still a unique and exciting thing to get to go to space. But like the aviation industry, over the next 20, 30 years, it will become more diverse, more commonplace, and more people get to go. And not just go, again, as a professional astronaut, but you win a contest or you go to work in space. And that's one of the big things we push is that there's a lot of people that come to me at events or other ways and say, you know, I really want to have the space experience, but I can't afford to fly. What do I do? And I say, well, work in space. And it's very interesting when you say that, particularly to young people, because their whole facial expression mm -hmm. changes. They get like, oh, I had not thought about that. You could work in space. You could go many times. Who's going to cook the great meals? Who's going to clean the spaceships? Who's going to actually maintain them? Who's going to be the captain? Who's going to be the crew members? The people that have beautiful luxury super yachts have crew members on them. The crew members get to hang out at a luxury super yacht. Now they're mm -hmm. working, but when the owner isn't there, they get to party on the yacht. It really <laughs> happens all the time. I'm sure it does. It does. Um, and then they bring their friends and they don't tell the owners and stuff like that. But <laughs> Uh, the idea that you could work in space, have a career, and go numerous times brightens up people's aspirations and gives them a direction and a life goal to do those kind of things. And that's very empowering to people. So that's a part of our conference is showing people the diversity of career paths you might have. And that will be a bigger and bigger part of our conference as we grow it over year after year. We'll always do the Space Tourism Conference at one of the major hotels by LAX. You always do it on April 28th and then 29th and 30th because April 28th is that date that Dennis Tito lifted off and officially started the space tourism industry. So there's a real reason for doing that. Um, but right now, as I said, it's a renaissance. It's exciting. Anyone listening to your show can get involved directly. And of course, Jacob Isaacson just announced a, another series of four missions with SpaceX uh, including one on Starship. So it's, that's, that's going to be happening over the course of the next few years. Yeah. Uh, Jared. Yeah, actually, he's Jared. definitely going to do that. And there's something happening maybe late next year or the year afterwards, which is the next big leap forward for the space tourism industry. I, I appreciate you mentioning him. Um, uh, he, but also there's going to be a competition now heating up between uh, him and the uh, Meizawa, the Japanese billionaire guy, to be the first person to lease a starship and to go its eight or 10 guests, starships are big spaceships, mm -hmm. for a lunar flyby. Just go out around the moon, just come right back to Earth and stuff. It's still almost a week long going out and coming back. But for the first time humans will see a live Earth rise in almost 50, 60 years, will be paid for entirely through private space enterprise. And that perspective of seeing Earth, you know, the blue marble and the vastness of dark space is really an emotional thing for a lot of people. And because of the moon and seeing the Earth rise above the moon, Earth rise, you get a perspective. And that's one of the things from the Apollo program, which I always thought was one of the greatest gifts to humanity was that perspective of Earth rise. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we're on this spaceship together. If you think of Earth as a spaceship, and a lot of people always call it Spaceship Earth. We're all crew members on this beautiful spaceship. Like our spaceship's in space right now. We're in space. We just happen to be on a big spaceship, right? And we're orbiting the sun. And uh, it's our job to maintain the environmental systems on the ship. That's a good thing. 
but also to have that aspiration of moving outward in a very noble, exciting way and doing it together. John, you've been doing this for pretty much the entire half hour, but let's look out over the next 10 to 15 years, a little bit more near term, and tell us what you see coming in space commerce and space tourism. Well, I'm promoting, you know, the whole idea of establishing the space yacht industry and community. And that's eventually, in my mind, uh, I've always projected the space tourism industry, the space experience industry, becoming the largest, fastest growing industry in space. Now, we're certainly going to be mining the moon and asteroids, and there's sciences always going on and exploration. People are looking at getting energy from space and all the, the inventions that are going to happen. But if you simply look at the mathematics, the economics, there are millions of people that want to have space experiences. There's, there's over 7,000 billionaires, 7,000 billionaires around the world. Uh, when you look at mega corporations who own yachts, ocean yachts for promotional and rewarding stuff, there's almost limitless political power and capital and technological advancements used in the yachts that will translate to the oceans of space. So over the next 10 to 15 years, I think you're gonna start seeing yachts in space, yacht clubs, uh, eventually uh, down line 20, 25 years from now, cruise ship scale uh, vehicles in space, resort, lunar resorts, and sports. So all of those things are happening in parallel to each other, bumping into each other a little bit here and there, and that's okay. Uh, and of course, we have commerce in space, we have space force, we have all those issues like we have on the oceans. So we tell people uh, who particularly are new to the space world, and a lot of it's out there, it's kind of fuzzy and almost a little scary to some people and so forth. We say, well, have you ever been on the ocean? And everybody says, yeah, I've been on the ocean. Well, everything we have, we do on the oceans, except for fishing and drilling for oil and gas, we are going to do in space, everything. Yeah. And that gives them a bit of a frame of reference. You have to have ports and ships and shipyards and coast guards and all of those things that are the infrastructure for the oceans to work as a commerce and recreation and leisure and entertainment. Same thing with space. So if you wanna get involved in space industry, invent some company, or work for some of these major corporations and you will have a career in space and someday you'll probably be able to go. I guess anybody who's ever been scuba diving has come as close as many of us are going to get to having done a, a spacewalk. Absolutely. And that's how they learned over time. And Buzz Aldrin, one of my good friends, actually pioneered how do you do spacewalks during Gemini program by actually beginning to understand motion and all that stuff in his backyard swimming pool in Florida. <laughs> so the oceans and space have always had a very tight connection. We see it becoming even tighter symbolically and almost physically. I mean, Elon's going to be launching his huge rockets from the ocean because he doesn't do that. They left out, they knock down houses. That's not good. Mm. You know? <laughs> and if you Don't look at it, go ahead. Okay. We look at it from a business and practical standpoint, almost all space law is modeled after uh, maritime law. Mm -hmm space treaties after earth ocean treaties and other treaties and stuff. So there's more of an intimate connection between the oceans and space than most people think about. And here's something which is fascinating, particularly for storytelling and movies and so forth. Uh, we now know that there are at least eight moons between Jupiter and Saturn that have liquid oceans underneath ice. Mm -hmm. 
And we know that from a whole variety of, of satellites and systems and probes and all kinds of stuff. So it's very, very likely if you have liquid water, you're going to have life on one or more of these uh, moons orbiting Jupiter and Saturn. So that's very interesting. So the, there are oceans in space, physically oceans in space. So that's a whole other area to think about, uh, life beyond Earth and so forth. So like I say, but over the next couple of decades, this is where if you want a career in space or to start a company, do it now. Start it now because there's opportunities and money flowing into the industry. John, we are out of time. Thanks so very much. John Spencer is the founder and president of the Space Tourism Society. The 2022 Space Tourism Conference will be held April 28th at the Renaissance Hotel LAX in Los Angeles, California. You can get more details at spacetourismconf.com, and we'll have a link there for you um, with this podcast and on the Xterra website. That's going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. Check out our YouTube channel. Be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at xterrajsc.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at xterrajsc. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.